Welcome to Legend Lore with Luis and Lauren, where we talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm Luis, and I'm a senior developer at Paizo working on the Pathfinder Lost Omens line. I've been playing tabletop RPGs for over 15 years, and I've written for dozens of Pathfinder products. I'm also the GM for Valiant, and I write the Monsters Physique blog here on, on the No Direction Network. And I'm Lauren, and I've been playing RPGs for 20 years. I've contributed to multiple Pathfinder blogs and podcasts, and I'm currently working on a PhD in the field of animal intelligence. And this week, we're talking about the Spooky Spooky Witch! Before we get into that, we want to say that although we know a lot about what we're talking about when it comes to Pathfinder, we want to remind you that we're not providing any kind of official answers here. We're here to offer advice and can use that however you like. Remember that the official word from Paizo is the only official ruling out there. But don't forget, it's your game. Do what works best for your table. You know, what surprises me about the witch is that you don't see them more often in fantasy because really witches go way back. Way, way back. I mean, not for good reason. You know, they were always burning witches, but people have, have been calling each other witches for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, witches have been around since, what's the earliest? I mean, you could think of like early I don't want to say necessarily that early tribal shamans are equated to witches so that's not what I'm going to say <laughs> um, but you know they, they go back quite a bit like the, the, the idea of magic and someone using magic to hurt people is commonly associated with witches and that seems to go way 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 back to just like anyone using magic anyone using quote unquote black magic uh, might have been labeled a witch, and that and that's been around for for quite a long time. Witchcraft has been referenced for hundreds, thousands of years at this point. I know that there are mentions of witchcraft and magicians and stuff uh, in like the Bible, and probably way further back than that. So yes, they've been around for a long time. I think the word witch has existed longer than the word wizard probably has. And I think throughout all the history of the witch, there's always been this theme that you're in cahoots with some great dark power and mm -hmm. that's where you're getting your spells from if if you don't like that becky bakes a better cake than you maybe it's because the devil taught her that recipe mm -hmm. or you're like my mom this is, a, this is a true story where she has recipes that she's been making for for decades now and at one point suddenly just like they weren't turning out even though she felt like she was making them all the, the exact same way. And she insisted that someone had hexed her to make it so her food wasn't as good anymore for a while. This is the domain of witches. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what you do in Pathfinder 2, is you place hexes upon people to kind of debuff whatever it is that they're happy about at the time. Mm -hmm. they, you, you mess with people via your magic not necessarily just blow things up with fireballs or lightning bolts or just heal people who are hurt you 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 mess around with a lot of people and i think from pop culture witches are near ubiquitous too i mean you have all kinds of examples you have ursula the sea witch from the mm -hmm. little mermaid one of my particular favorites was morgana from arthurian tales was she a witch she was either a witch or a sorceress and the distinction between the two in pop culture is a very thin line mm -hmm. that's true we have witches like uh the three sisters in hocus pocus 
Oh, classic witches. Classic. <laughs> and then you have weird space witches like Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers. Oh, that's another great example. Look, you got all the good witch references. Yeah, there's there's just if if you if you were a wife of the devil, it turns out you're a witch and that that kind of just goes back quite a way. Which means that you're going to have a really hard time with the Batman test. I am so, oh my goodness. I've been kind of dreading this episode for a while. Uh, spellcasters always are just difficult to pull off uh, with with the Batman test, and this one is no different. But in particular, the the fact that the Pathfinder witch has a patron and a familiar and all this other stuff going on, it's rough. So Batman has dabbled in magic before, which I I, I guess I failed to bring up before he he knows occasionally how to like cast a spell usually he he learns it on a case-by-case basis uh otherwise he has friends like zatanna to cast spells on his behalf um but he i'm sure knows a little bit of magic to mess with superman because superman can't defend himself against magic things like that but i would say the closest thing we can do batman wise here is look at the patron idea for the batman test if there is a greater power helping you out to to do the things you want to do or, or encouraging you to do things. Maybe Batman is the patron. That's what I was thinking here. Look at all of the different little bats and like mm-hmm. and like robins that he takes under his wing and kind of uplifts them to be crime fighters. He has a bat family, so that includes Robin and Robin and Robin and Robin and Robin. Uh, various inc- incarnations of the Robins here. We have yeah, Batgirl and all that stuff. But the, the thing that most comes to mind in particular, there was a, a bit in, in the comics about 10 years back, a little more than 10 years back, depending on when exactly it was, where there was Batman Incorporated was a thing. Batman was kind of taking on other bat fight crime fighters vigilantes around the world and sponsoring them because batman can only be really covering gotham and maybe you know the greater united states but like batman can't be everywhere so wouldn't you know it batman uh took the time to fund uh the batman of so many other different regions there's there's batman and batwomen uh, all over the world and in this case batman is the patron providing the great powers of the bat to other people I can see it. I think I can see it. I think he, he does make a better patron than than patrony. Mm-hmm. Patri? What's the word there? Um, I don't know. Protege. Protege. He's a be- he's better at being a patron than being impatroned. Impatroned. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, I'm sure you're going to have a much easier time with your test. Tell me, how can a Viking be a witch or a witch be like a Viking? Oh, easy. You know, the nice thing about witches is that they're also related with paganism mm-hmm. pr- pretty well. I don't think that Vikings are truly paganistic, but they kind of have related themes. So, you know, the classic witch in the woods, scrawling bones and like with weird face paint and, like, anointing things with animal parts. That's all very witchy, and it's all very Viking. Mm-hmm. I think that's a story that writes itself. I'm, You know, how is it 
How is it that after all these classes that we've done, everything can be a Viking? Uh, it's because of your great love for Vikings, I think. You, that you has find to be a way. That has to Vi- be Vikings uh, find a way. They have a rich colster. Very rich. Mm-hmm. So what about specifically in Pathfinder? What's a witch look like in Pathfinder? Well, witch is a prepared spellcaster, which is already, you know, a lot, depending on, on what you're looking into. And they, much like the sorcerer, have the ability to end up using any spell list in the game. So they can be arcane, divine, occult, or primal spellcasters, which is really cool. You know, you have the versatility within the class kind of cover any base that you need. Additionally, they are the masters, I guess is the word I'm using, of familiars. They are the best at, at making use of familiars in the game. By default, they their familiars get extra familiar abilities, which is more than anyone else gets, and with enough focus on it, you can get a familiar that has like twice or three times as many familiar abilities than most any other class would have at that point. So they, they are really, really into their familiars. And then, you know, just like most spellcasters, they have their specific type of focus spells that have a particular theme and, and mess around with people uh, in the form of hexes. But for the most part, you know, you have your versatility, you have your familiars, and then you have your hexes. When you're building your witch, your key ability score is going to be intelligence. You start out with a measly six points plus your constitution modifier and hit points. You begin trained in perception, trained in fortitude, trained in reflex, and an expert in will saving throws. And of course, you get a number of skills, quite a few skills. As an intelligence face caster, you get three plus int, and additionally, one skill as determined by the patron that's granting you power. You're only trained in simple weapons and unarmed attacks, so you're not going to be grabbing like a long sword and waiting to the front. You're only trained in unarmored defense. You don't know any armors. So again, you're probably not default a frontliner. Or ever a frontliner. <laughs> I'm convinced you can do some builds. I'm convinced you can make some builds work where you go mm-hmm. on the front line and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and finally, of course, you're trained in your spellcasting tradition and spell DCs, which uh, scale all the way up to legendary like most spellcasters do. No big surprises there. The first big thing that you get as a witch is your patron. You are granted your powers from a mysterious patron or patrons, uh, mysterious force, entity, whatever it is. Something is granting you power. Something or someone or someone's is granting you power. And with that, there's a specific theme that uh, we'll go into here in a bit. Uh, And those themes determine your spellcasting tradition. They determine your initial cantrip hex, uh, a few, uh, a bonus spell, and, uh, you know, kind of suggest some ideas of, of what your patron might be wanting you to do or what they're up to. The first such patron theme is the curse theme, where you are the best at laying hexes upon your foes. Your spell list will be the occult spell list, and your patron's skill will be occultism. Next is the fate theme, where, again, your spell list is occult, and your patron's skill is occultism, and your patron gives you glimpses into the future so that you may foil the plans of your foes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you're also possibly getting the fervor patron which grants a, a goal or a particular ideal granting you the divine spell list and religion as your skill or you could be drawing on pound powers from the shadows with the night patron giving you control of darkness and dreams which again grants you the cult spell list and occultism as your skill I think the rune patron is particularly interesting in that you get the arcane spell list and your patron skill is arcana. But I'm just trying, it's interesting, but I can't picture a witch who like read, I guess I could picture a witch who reads the runes. That would be a good Viking witch right there, wouldn't Mm it? Yeah. 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 But reading the runes usually gets associated with fate and prophecy, but you know. The runes don't just sit on little stone pieces that you keep in your bowl. They're all over the place. Runes are everywhere. You might be a witch of the wild themes, where your spell list is primal and your your skill is nature. So you kind of feel in tune with all the wild places of the world. Mm-hmm. And finally, of the basic themes available, you could go into uh, the patron of winter, which you can see power over frozen reaches and ice and stuff granting you that the primal spell list and nature as a patron skill but there are also two very specific patrons that exist out there very special rare patrons that you can only take by you know gm uh approval or earning it in a quest or whatever way your gm hands it out uh, the first showed up in lost omens legends and it's uh, a little patron known as baba yaga which uh, Baba Yaga also grants you the power to uh, freeze people and, and also animate objects, much like she animates her, her dancing hunt. You gain occult uh, spells and the occultism patron skill. And finally, the other one is the very mysterious cryptid, the very doesn't even exist power of a creature known as the Mosquito Witch, where it you draw upon insects and the buzzing of things around in the world, um, insects and whatnot, granting you primal spell list in nature as your skill the baba yaga is very near and dear to my heart Mm -hmm. you're also going to get as a witch a familiar which is also kind of your spell book you learn all of your spells from your familiar so they'll be whispering dark secrets into your head at night you're going to get the witch version of focus spells which are going to be your hexes and these are all going to kind of focus on debuffing your opponents and that's really it that's that's all you really get spellcasters don't have much else going on beyond like their very unique ways of spellcasting and maybe a few extra little tidbits here and there everything else when you look at the the witch as uh, you level up is just your basics you know you improve your uh, skills and your saving throws and your spell DCs and whatnot. So 19th level, you get a 10th level spells and all that, just like you would expect. Yeah, we normally are able to go through and say, at 7th level, you get this cool ability. At at 12th level, you get this neat thing. But the witch just doesn't have that. Yeah, There is one extra bit that shows up in this initial class features section of the class, but isn't necessarily something that you have to take or receive uh, these are called which lessons uh, there there are three varieties of lessons your basic your greater and your major lessons and these lessons are patron agnostic you can learn a lesson regardless of who your patron is your patron doesn't specifically say you have to take the elements lesson or the protection lesson uh, 
with a, anything like that. But the only way you get your lesson is by taking a specific feat for that. So at second level, there's the basic lesson feat. And then I think uh, sixth level and 10th level is the other lessons. That's right. Uh, yeah, so when you take the, the lesson feat, you choose a lesson, for example, the lesson of dreams or lesson of elements, which grants you an extra spell that you're, you're familiar now, so you can use that to prepare as you need. And that means it might give you spells that aren't normally on your, your list. Uh, which kind of a fun way to dabble in, in some other spells. And then it grants you a new hex uh, that you cast with your focus points as normal. And they, they, they vary. The, the basic lessons include lessons of dreams, elements, life, protection, and vengeance. Then later you can look into mischief, shadow, and snow, or even major lessons like lesson of death and renewal. And I believe Baba Yaga has a lesson as well. Uh, the lesson of... Winter something. Yes, Legend of the Frozen, Lesson of the Frozen Queen, um, which grants you the, the Glacial Heart Hex, which lets you, you know, freeze people in, in ice and stuff. But again, those aren't locked into your class in any way. You don't have to <laughs> take them uh, as you level up. You don't get them automatically as you level up, and they're not locked into your patron in any way, but they are kind of ways to expand on, on what you can do. And maybe, you know, when you're trying to figure out the story of who your patron is or why you're getting this power. Maybe they give you the lesson of life for a reason or the lesson of elements for a reason, even though you know, they're not at all related to that with their normal theme. My favorite thing about the witch is how it demonstrates the strength of Pathfinder 2, its modularity, <laughs> where you can pick whatever theme from your patron you want, and then you can build the lesson however you like. So you can really get to your exact kind of of spooky witch. <laughs> just yeah. just the way you want it. As a tip for GMs, one really potent reward for witches, um, rather than giving out like a spell book that you can use to learn new spells, to you know, teach your familiar new spells, consider granting a reward in the form of a free feat to get one of these lessons. You might say, hey, you worked with this person and your patron was really cool and decided I'm going to give you a bonus feat to take uh, a lesson, but specifically, you know, I'm giving you the, the lesson of protection. That'd be a, a, a really fun narrative reward to, to, to build onto your character. It's not necessarily the easiest to balance for the rest of the party and giving them, you know, you might have to figure out a way to give them all extra feats as a result or, or some other reward, but it'd be really cool to, be playing a witch and suddenly your patron's like i have a lesson for you now because you've done so well this this makes me come up this makes me think about something mm -hmm. Luis. how often are actual deities gonna be a patron it can be as often as you want the thing is about witch patrons they are intentionally vague and they might in or or even like nondescript mysterious they, they don't reveal themselves unless you want them to as a gm or as part of the story going on right like you will never necessarily know who your patron is you might have a good idea that like well they seem to want me to do good things because they get you know i have the protection lesson and i got divine spells and stuff but like that doesn't necessarily mean it's a god baba yaga could probably get grant you that power it, if, if she wanted to as well she has the power to grant her very specific uh, patron theme but she could probably grant any of these other powers if she wanted She, I could see her granting the winter theme no problem, the curse theme, no problem the the fate theme no problem Like 
it can be a god. It's just whether or not you want to decide that it's a god for part of the story or, or however you want it to, to play out. Well, what made me think about this was because you were talking about a good way to reward a, a witch player. The gods yeah. have this awesome thing called their boons, right? Or their blessings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be another really cool one to get a blessing from your patron after you've done something particularly blessing worthy. I mean, what's really blessing worthy for a a dark patron? Who knows? Never know. But that that would actually be really fun too. That's probably uh, a more interesting way to handle. Yeah, you can use the diviner's intercession rules to grant a boon, like a like a god does from gods and magic, uh, and. You know, then that becomes a temporary thing. You know, may, might let you cast an extra spell once, right? Or give you some bonuses to a specific save for like a week or whatever. But you can then take it away as necessary, so you don't have to feel so bad <laughs> about having taken it away. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'd recommend if you're in if you're into that idea, you can go to the Gods and Magic product page uh, on uh, the Paizo site. And Lost Omens Gods and Magic has like an extra web supplement that has some guidance on how to make some divine intercessions. You could probably use that for a patron just as well. Now we come to my favorite part. I mm-hmm. love this. Where we where we do a level 10 build to kind of show you, the listener, some really different, really cool things you can do with the witch that maybe aren't your bog standard witch. But I initially was thinking I was going to do the Baba Yaga patron theme. But I actually changed gears and went with the Mosquito Witch patron. And I hope that doesn't inter- that doesn't mess up your plans. Oh, no. I think that's awesome. I was actually hoping you would do either the Baba Yaga or the Mosquito Witch. Okay, great. Honestly, then, I just want to hear more about the Mosquito Witch. I don't even know what this is. The Mosquito Witch is... There's just rumors that there's this creature or this person out there that has, like, weird mosquito control powers and just hangs out in, like, the River Kingdoms and messes with people or scares kids it's like like kids ghost story it's but the also, mothman it's the mothman yes but like people are kind of half thinking she exists and then like the story conflict on where she comes from and all that stuff so she's perfect for like a mysterious entity because like no one even can confirm if she can exist and if they do believe she exists there's 10 different reasons why she came about and what she can do and all that stuff so it's perfect but everyone agrees mosquitoes are part of the thing and Mosquito Witch sounded like the perfect bog swamp witch that you'd go visit and and ask for help or things like that. So I decided I'm going to lean into that. So usually in a lot of stories, you go to a witch to ask for potions or for help with like, uh, hey, I have this curse. I need you to help me alleviate it or whatever it is. So I figured I can make a Mosquito Witch, someone who uses gross bugs like mosquitoes, and uh, no, they're helpful. They're, they really want to help. They want to do good. <laughs> be a good person. So we're going to be a human because you know what? Getting an extra class feed at first level is always so tempting. Um, be whatever human you want. Throw on whatever heritage you want. Whatever. The big thing is that we're using your ancestry feet to take the natural ambition feet to, at first level, get us a cauldron. Cauldrons let us brew potions and oils, magical potions and oils. Give us a, a small uh, number of formulas for these formulae, and 
technically if you wanted to you don't have to keep track of a separate book you can just have your familiar also keep track of your your formulas for your your potions hey if you bird will. remember this yes uh so you know your bird will sing you know uh all the pieces that you need for your your potion the eye of newton so on and so forth uh as a mosquito which patron it grants us the primal list nature grants us pest form for free that's fun it can turn into i don't know a bug turn into a, a bat little 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 animal no but problem. bats eat mosquitoes sure but it's just a small animal tiny tiny little guy turned into a squirrel whatever but the other thing it grants us is a unique cantrip exclusive to the mosquito witch called buzzing bites buzzing bites is absolutely nasty Oh my gosh, what a great spell this is. I love it. Buzzing Bites is a cantrip. Costs, uh, it it uh, targets one creature. It's a fortitude save. It's a sustained spell up to one minute. And it, it only takes one action to cast Buzzing Bites. You just kind of flip your fingers and point at someone and suddenly they're covered in mosquitoes or other crawling insects that start biting on them. Yeah. And it deals a d4 piercing damage. And you know they roll their fort save on a successful save they take half damage on the fail it's full damage or they can crit fail and take double damage and if they take double damage they also become sickened one and they can't reduce their sickened value while the spell is active cool cool that's all fun the fun thing about this spell is you can sustain it i mentioned and every time you sustain it they take the same damage they took from earlier based on their fortitude save so if they crit failed earlier they take double damage every time that you sustain every round that you sustain it so in theory as a cantrip hex you can kind of just cast this on someone until they crit fail and then just sustain it and do a lot of damage and keep them sickened and it's absolutely brutal with only one action each turn one action each turn That's a lot of awesome. people ask what can i do with my third action for the turn because usually i spend two actions to move an attack or cast a spell but that third action what do i do with it Buzzing bites is what you do with it every time. Just keep that going. And luckily, you want to be a good person. You want to help people out. <laughs> so, uh, buzzing bites is for the bad guys. This primal spell list has lots of cool stuff going on. Blow up people with fireballs and stuff eventually. Um, you can cast heal. The heal spell is always good. Uh, do a lot of restoration and, and uh, buffing and, and stuff like that with the primal spell list. So lots of good things you can do. At second level, I took the basic lesson feat to get the Lesson of Life. Lesson of Life grants us a hex uh, focus spell called Life Boost. Life Boost just gives you fast healing. Whoever you cast it on, it's fast healing, which is pretty good. Fast healing uh, in particular, in this version of the spell says it's equal to double the spell's level. So at first level, it heal. it's fast healing 2, then fast healing 4, and so on and so forth, all the way up to fast healing 20. It's a focus spell. You can get that back all the time. That's great. Just throw it on the fighter or whoever, and fast healing is always useful. At fourth level, I take the second level feat, Enhanced Familiar, uh, grants you four uh, familiar or master abilities each day instead of two. So normally you would have a base of four. Also, witches familiars get additional familiar abilities anyway starting at first 6th 12th and 8th level 18th levels so you know you're looking at six close to six familiar abilities uh starting at sixth level 
Um, and then at six level, specifically my six level feat is Witch's Charge. You choose a person at the start of your daily preparations. It's like, I'm taking care of you. And you always know where they are, you know what their status is, and you can deliver touch spells to them as long as they're within 30 feet away, uh, within 30 feet of you. So if you need a one action heal on someone, slap them with the heal without having to uh, be right next to them. It's pretty nice, pretty fun. Uh, at eighth level, you get incredible familiar, which grants you a base of six familiar or master abilities instead of four, in addition to all the extra ones that you have. You got a lot of stuff going on with the familiar. You can play around with that in lots of different ways. And finally, 10th level, you get uh, Witch's Communion, which lets you designate a number of charges equal to your int modifier. And by this point, it's probably going to be a 5. So you can basically keep the entire party, keep track of them, and deliver spells to them at a pretty decent distance. You have your primal spell list, heal people, buff people. You make a lot of potions on your downtime. and You can take the alchemical crafting skill feed if you want to grant to get lots of different uh, abilities uh, or lots of different potions and um, elixirs and stuff like that to just keep everyone topped off or buffed or, or enhanced in some way or fight off poisons and all that stuff. You're very much big, big, big support, but also you're very nasty with your hex cantrip. You, you buffed the crap out of your familiar, but never told us what kind of familiar you're picking. You can pick whatever you want. I don't know. It's a but big mosquito. But what do mosquito. you want? A big mosquito? Yeah, a big mosquito. Why not? Like, but it's like a mosquito that loves you. Like one of those Jumanji mosquitoes? Yeah. Mosquito uh. that, that, but it's, a, it, it's nice, and it hugs you, and you'll never, ever, ever stop being creeped out, but it, it just is, it wants to love you. I'm creeped out just thinking about it. <laughs> My build is both a pun and inspired by history. Mm-hmm. A lot of my best ideas are just puns or inspired by history, and this is no different. Back in World War II, there there was a Soviet squad of bombers called the Night Witches, for those who don't know. And they flew in these rust bucket crop dusters that were slow and unarmored, but they were quiet. They were very quiet. So quiet that they could sneak up on the Nazis anytime they wanted, at night especially. And they would drop bombs with very strong accuracy. They were feared by the Nazis and they hated them. They hated the night witches. And I always thought that this squad of all-women bombers was just so cool. And I've always kind of wanted to do a character that's inspired by the night witches. Now, the witch class isn't super bomber heavy most of most of the themes aren't going to give you access to endless fireballs but just to stay true to the pun i'm picking the night patron i'm also going human because natural ambition (laughs) apparently humans are the best witches because you need that first level feat but i'm taking widen spell because thematically I'm trying to get behind enemy lines as quietly as possible and bomb them. <laughs> so I want widen spell. Uh, my first, at level two, I'm going to take the basic lesson of vengeance because we don't like what they did at Stalingrad. Uh, at level three, I'm taking armor proficiencies so I can get some light armor. I just picture this character as being more of a saboteur behind enemy lines. I really feel like wearing some leather armor at the very least is going to help out. At 4th level, I'm taking Conceal Spell, so they'll never see it coming. 
I'm taking Clever Improviser because I didn't go with Rogue Dedication like I would have liked, and I want <laughs> access to all the skills, so we're going to be a Clever Improviser. My sixth level is a greater lesson, the lesson of shadow, so we can turn our enemies' shadows against them. Toughness, because I always I always take toughness. Every, every build I ever make is a toughness build. I figure hit points are the main way you interact with the world, so you got to have as many as possible. Level 8, we're going to take Merc Sight so we can see through the foggy weather. Level 10, we're getting our major lesson number one, the lesson of death. Now, some notable spells we're picking out, okay? Because obviously I'm focusing all of my skill feats on stealth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sneak behind enemy lines. I'm going to conceal spell, and here's some of the notable spells I'm taking. We're going to get dancing lights and ghost sounds so we can draw people where we want them. We're going to get sleep with widen spell. We're going to get Dispel Magic. We're going to get Fear because, you know, you got to... I like the good AoE Fear at third level. Obviously, I'm taking Fly so I can be a bomber from the skies. And the fifth level ones are all the good ones. I'm getting Shadow Blast so I can do whatever type of elemental damage I need to. I'm getting Sound Burst so I can literally drop Sonic Bombs. And I'm taking Rip the Spirit because you need to have... Look, no matter what kind of... Look, any caster in 2E, let me give you a tip here, okay? I keep seeing folks throwing fireballs at single targets. You gotta pick a spell for your single targets, and you gotta pick a spell for your AoE situations, guys. You gotta do this. And that's why I'm picking Rip the Spirit. We're gonna target one Nazi, and we're gonna rip their spirit just straight out of their body. I don't know if this would be the best build, but I like it a lot. And if I ever play a witch, <laughs> I'm probably going to play this. Just because I, I I really get happy about some historical inspirations. Speaking of patrons, I wonder what questions our patrons have for us. Let's get into the first one from patron Andrew Mullen. What are things I can do with the familiar that feel impactful? And this is a question I'd like to ditto because familiar is kind of seem like they're tough to, to make useful mm -hmm. I think the there's a mindset that familiars should be able to impact combat the same way that animal companions do which is easy to fall into but it's not I think a thing you can feasibly really be doing with your familiars yes you can have your familiar do things during combat but I recommend keeping that limited to master abilities things that do things like oh give you a spell back or a focus point or heal you things like that uh, those are impactful in combat they aren't impactful the same way that like oh my animal companion is flanking with someone or trip someone and i don't recommend trying to send your familiar out to like help in combat or like go heal a buddy or anything like that occasionally you might be able to do the spell delivery and del deliver like a heal spell or something but for the most part, I recommend using your master abilities to affect you in combat. And, you know, if you want to do more with that, you know, there, there might be the, the, there's that familiar archetype, but I don't know the, the ins and outs of it really well. So you might get some cool stuff with it. But for the most part, I see familiars as an idle combat thing uh, that can really be helpful. There are a lot of familiar abilities, especially now uh, with how 
many <laughs> have been added to to the books where in addition to your basics like oh hey my familiar can talk to me and can fly and stuff uh, you can get things where like they have the ability to aid you with specific checks you know they can help you with recalling knowledge or with influencing people with diplomacy and stuff like that uh, they they can cover a lot of extra little niches in, in, in your skills or, or supplement them or you know the the ever classic they can be great at, as scouts right no one is gonna bat an eye when they see a bird flying around and then wouldn't you know it that bird comes back and can talk to you and tell you exactly what it saw uh, but for the most part at least in combat I don't recommend trying to send them out to go do stuff just use them to power up yourself or, or, or you know, give you extra cool abilities to do. From patron Jaina B, how vital is a familiar to the concept of the witch? Could it be replaced with any sort of eldritch connection? Uh, thematically, I think it could be replaced as long as your patron is giving you something that, that represents your connection, their, their physical gift to you to you know here here's how i'm giving you my my magic and my power i think that would work just fine the spell book from hocus pocus the book that she calls upon that flies to her and has an eyeball that's like a perfect representation of that uh and you know wouldn't you know it happens to be a spell book but i think you could do that with like you know hey my patron gave me like a sword or something right and then the sword um has power in it and i focus on this meditate on the sword every morning and get some of that power and that's how I, I prepare my spells and stuff but yeah it doesn't have to be a familiar it's fun to get a familiar and play around with it I think that's part of the the witch's uh, niche there is getting to make the most of a familiar and get a lot of abilities and play around with it but thematically no it doesn't have to be a familiar it can be any number of things it can just be a ring that is your bond between you and your patron or whatever you want it to be. And I think the Baba Yaga specifically uh, says it can be an inanimate object. Yeah. Yeah, and it so usually... there's precedent there. Yeah, there, there's precedent there, and Baba Yaga's kind of suggests that like, it might come to life, it might grow legs and walk around familiar style, but for the most part, yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily... It follows the familiar rules, sure, I guess, because that's how you have to play it in Pathfinder, but if you're just telling a story, no, it doesn't have to be a familiar... So our next question is from one of our listeners, user Joss Vlad, who asks, do you feel that not having its own unique witch spell list has caused a lack of flavor or identity for the witch? I have two thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. I feel like even though the witch came out in the advanced player's guide, I always thought that the occult spell list was kind of future-proofed to be for the witch specifically. I don't think mm. it... I mean, sure, the bard gets the occult spell list, and sorcerers can, but I, I don't think it's at home anywhere else more so than the witch. Like, the occult spell list just fits it so perfectly. And on top of that, the witches kind of do have a unique spell list with all their, their hex focus spells, you know? It, these combined really make the witch stand out i think i don't feel like you're gonna find that flavor out of a wizard or out of the sorcerer even though they can do some pretty similar things i think one of the common complaints is the witch's theming 
Uh, I, I mean, people complain about so many aspects of any class, right? But it felt like when the playtest was happening, you could get um, three of the four traditions and people are like, why not get all four? And I'm of the opinion we should have gone the other way. I think a, the the witch would have become much stronger if you could only pick like one or two at most of the traditions. Uh, obviously, you want a cult, but if if the witch could only do a cult and primal, in my mind, I think that could be a lot stronger because then you can give them a a, a few extra things with their patrons and other stuff uh, in a way to more reinforce the witchiness and and the, the theme of the class and make them more unique mechanically. I think, I don't know. It's I'm not saying that it's bad that it ended up having all four traditions, but I think there would have been a way to handle it where it only gets like two traditions or one tradition at most, and then you can lean into other stuff to get to give them more stuff. For example, if there were only two traditions, and that means you only get you don't necessarily have um, the patrons in the same way. You can maybe have your patrons be given out in the form of lessons right you can say your patron is whoever but specifically your lessons are x y and z at first and sixth and tenth level or whatever and then that's how you make your patrons unique and give them unique lessons and extra cantrips and stuff like that or extra hexes and i think that would have been cool too i do think that um or i don't think that um anyone really because every class is either going to be dealing with one of the four traditions or up to, to four of them. You know, there's there's never going to be a unique witch spell list. And it I think it's good. It, it was nice to have the specific, like, I only look at my witch spells, but it's kind of cool now that I can look at the occult spell list and be like, well, I'm actually going to grab some of these other spells that are a little less witchy, but work more for what I want to do. And that kind of opens up how you want to play your witch. It, it doesn't lock you into it this is always how a witch looks. It's like, this is usually how witches look with the occult list. But there's some other spells in here that kind of twist the, the, the witch idea on its head. My first edition witch was one of those, one of those, what did we used to call them? Did we call them archetypes back in the day? That I mean, there were archetypes, yeah. For, yeah. for classes. Uh-huh. My first edition witch was one of those archetypes that kind of blended the witch with the kineticist. And so yeah. I, I threw around a lot of fire, and I called it, like, my shadow fire. And I like that you can now grab the primal spell list and still build the witch kind of however you like, mm-hmm. even though it's not necessarily a cult. But I do agree with you that arcane and divine, they're kind of less on message, <laughs> you know? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, it's, it is what it is now. People can definitely tweak it and make their own versions of the witch. Um, but that, that, that's, I don't think a lack of a, uh, witch spell list is really the, the thing to blame here. If you feel like the, the witch has a lack of an identity or the, the proper flavor, I think there, there are other things you can look at first. From one of our listeners wandering, can Eldritch Nils be a good component for building a melee witch or is melee witch just a bad idea? I don't recommend a melee witch just in general. And I don't think I can honestly recommend the Eldritch Nails feat because of just it, it's cool. There were nails and, and, and hair stuff that you could do in 1E uh, and there were ways to shore that up. I only the only way I can think of doing this is maybe playing uh, a martial and then dabbling into the, the witch archetype Ooh. to get or some like of this. like a monk. 
like a monk. Yeah, a monk would be perfect. Um, you know, a fighter would be probably pretty good. Sloshbreckler would be all right, too. Um, but the part of the reason is that you're just not going to have the proficiencies you need for this kind of stuff, right? Um, and for the most part, the nails are just giving you a extra d6. They're, they're doing a d6 unique unarmed attack, right? Compared to a fist, which does a d4. So for the most part, that's that's not too big of a deal. Uh, the the other thing that which nails have going on for them is that you can choose to deliver hexes uh, as part of uh, your your nail attack. So if you cast a hex um, and you happen to be within reach, then you can make a spell attack, or you can make a you can make a strike with your nails, and if it hits, it delivers the hex as part of it. If it misses, you lose the hex, right? The hex has no effect. So that's, I don't know if it's worth it, right? I could just cast the hex and it succeeds. At best, I'm getting maybe an extra bit of damage because I happen to get my nail strike off, but I had to be within reach to do that in the first place. And there's very specific hexes that I can, I can do this with. So it's got very, very, very niche situation where this pays off for you. And in most cases, it either misses and you lose your hex and that stinks that doesn't feel great or you are not close enough because it's dangerous to be in so close as a uh you know six hit point caster with uh no armor and no proficiency very poor proficiencies with yourself so i don't recommend doing it as a witch maybe try it as a monk or a fighter that dabbles into some witchiness i haven't decided how i feel about eldritch nails yet I do think it I think it'd be worth doing in a one shot first just to see how sure. well it works. But I'm definitely on board with a melee witch. I think yeah. you could do it. I think you got what you need. Like maybe the, what? What do you think? Oh, I was going to say there there are ways to do melee witch with other feats if if your GM is cool enough or you're, or if you're playing in uh Fist of the Ruby Phoenix or ways to take your living hair and give you some of the same ideas where it can deliver hex spells. Um, but you know, those are uncommon feats that are in an AP right now. Uh, but you can eventually get reach with your hair and suddenly having reach and delivering hexes as, as strikes is a lot easier to swallow in my opinion, but having to be in melee reach uh, and trying to do that with hair and, you know, first off, you have to even get the, the feats. You have to have permission or, or have earned them through through the AP. Um, but if you could pull that off, then I think that's maybe the safer way to go for it. Maybe I just don't think enough about the hexes because I, I, I picture a melee witch. I, I figure either you take, like, some kind of dedication that gives you proficiencies in armor so you can protect yourself a little better, or you just pick up armor proficiency and do it. Mm -hmm. And I don't see any reason you couldn't then attack with your spell attack using some of your cantrips, like gouging claw or something, you know? That'd be a really great way to be a melee witch. And you can even theme gouging claw as as nails if you wanted to because you know yeah, like, witches with nasty nails i know i get it like I'm, I'm at that point you're not using your nails so <laughs> but i mean but i mean like thematically you could be sure right? but again you didn't need the eldritch nails feet to pull that off yeah that's what i'm saying i'm not sure how i feel about eldritch nails but i am I, sure that I you would could be, do a melee witch i would be there's there's one tweak you make to eldritch nails and suddenly it becomes so much more enticing and i don't necessarily if it's like 
an amazing build. But if you change can deliver hexes through your nails to can deliver spells through your nails, just any spell, non-cantrip spells that you know still meet the same requirements, then then there, there's a lot more possibility there. That's pretty interesting. That's definitely pretty interesting. But there you go. That's that's my thoughts on it. Uh, Something try it at your own risk. Yeah, okay. GMs think about it and try it at your own risk, players. Uh, I have a question here, final question from user Brian Lane, who asks, "How do I know? How do I know which patrons fall under which themes? Can a given patron drop which is under different themes? How's it, how important is it to know who the patron actually is?" Well, if I'm not mistaken, your patrons don't even have to be canon, right? Can't they mm-hmm. just be like entirely made up entities that are just relevant at the time? There's this greater demon that I just came up with who is granting you the power of darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hey. and honestly, the themes are so general enough, too, that, well, like you said with the Baba Yaga, she'd fit really well with a whole bunch of them, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that maybe specific ones, like if you're going to be Baba Yaga theme, it's probably pretty important to know who your patron is. But otherwise, probably not. Yeah. The the patron theme entry itself says, Some patrons are multifaceted, granting different themes and teaching different lessons to different witches. So that already kind of opens the door for your patron can grant as many or as few themes as is necessary. So if there is a specific god, you know, you talked earlier about gods granting, maybe Saren Ray grants just one. Maybe she only grants fervor. And, you know, maybe in someone else's game, Saren Ray can grant fervor and night for some reason. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's no specific rules that say a patron can only grant one theme, uh, so on and so forth. So it's whatever you need it for, for your story. Does knowing your patron help? Sure, if you want it to. Like, it's not mandatory for, for your background or anything like that. And ideally, even if you know who your patron is, you don't necessarily know why they granted you their power or, or their entire plan, all of their machinations. It can be whatever you want. So if you never know who your patron is and you just get a vague feeling like, hmm, it feels like my power comes from hell. That might be all you, you will know, <laughs> right? Or you might specifically know, oh, no, actually, it, this is Barbatos, one of the archdevils that's granting me power. Uh, and he wants me to do X, Y, and Z. That's that's really up to you. Uh, patrons and their themes are kind of very vague intentionally to let you mold them to whatever story you want for your character and for the campaign as a whole. Well, I hope we've been able to help you figure out which which works without worries. <laughs> I haven't had lunch yet, so it's time for a sandwich because that's all we have for you today. Make sure you check out the rest of our content on the No Direction Network. Because if you like this show or any of the blogs or shows, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash no direction. Because that's the support of our patrons that make this all possible. And that allow me to cast my hexes. Until next time, I'm Luis. And I'm Lauren. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Legend Lore. And as always, it's been legendary. <laughs>